everybody. It's Wayne with Mark and Areed, and we are so excited that you've come to watch the Eat Community Podcast. We know you're going to enjoy it. We actually did it live originally on our Eat Community webinar series, which we also invite you to come to, but you will love this podcast that you're going to be listening to right now. Hey, everybody. We are so excited to have Jim and Jessica here with us today and their Green Dream project that they're going to talk with us about. And I actually have got a couple monitors, and I've got the website up on uh, a different one than what I'm seeing with the, the, you know, the shared view and where my webcam is. It's kind of right in the middle of the two of them. And this is Wayne. I'm in northern Colorado. And we had a beautiful day today. It's probably not as nice as it is there in southern Arizona, though. Um, highs in the 40s here, and the sun came out. Got a little snow on the ground. Nothing like the eastern United States, which I know is getting hammered right now with a, with a snowstorm. Um, so my uh, hopes to all you. Hey, Jim, how you doing? Um, my hopes and wishes and prayers to all of you that, that, that you don't get too bombed by the snowstorm. And uh, Jim just came on with us. And Mark is behind the glass, as we say. So Mark is in Pakistan, excuse me, Bangladesh. I was about to say Arib, who's not on with us. And Arib helped get Jim and Jessica ready for this. And we always wish Arib would be on. He's the, he's the good looking one of our bunch, other than Jessica today. So we're going to, we don't need to have Arib to make, uh, make everything look pretty today. Um, Mark's shy, so he very rarely puts his webcam on. I think he works in the dark in Bangladesh there, too, so I'm joking a little bit. But uh, Mark, why don't you say hi? Hey, everybody. <laughs> he, uh, he likes to be, be quiet behind the glass. He keeps us moving. Some of you are watching on Facebook Live. Some of you are watching on YouTube. And some of you are watching on the um, Kajabi um, photo webinar feed that we do for our webinars. and. Uh, this is our second live session this week, and we'll have another one tomorrow with Bob Christidor. Bob will be down the road from you guys, maybe not south, but he's in Tucson, so not too far from you. And tonight we're going to use sort of a, um, an interview format with Jim and Jessica, so I'm going to probably just lead them a little bit and let them do most of the talking. I'm just going to ask questions and let them chat with us. Mark's going to be handling the screen and as they talk about some things, I know he's got some Facebook page up and he's got their website up, which you're looking at now. And uh, so we're going to start with that. So why don't we do this? Jim and Jessica, why don't you introduce yourselves and, and just say hi to everybody. Give us a little bit of your background and then we'll go from there. And be, really, before you do it, I see some people putting in, um, in some, some questions and things in the box. Do you guys like to have questions while we're going, or would you like to have them at the end? Uh, I'm okay either way. Okay. We'll, um, we'll probably catch them as we go. I see we have one comment here from one of our folks about the simulcast. What program do we use? It's called Caster, C-A-S-T-R. And Mark, would you put that in the chat box? Um, and I think it's caster.io, maybe, is the actual web name for it. 
There's a free version of it, and then we have a paid version. And all you get by having a paid version is you can send your broadcast out to more different feeds. So um, we can do, I think, three different feeds. And the free version, I think, is, is maybe one different feed from your primary feed. So let's go ahead and let Jim and Jessica tell us about themselves, and we'll get started with that. Yeah. Hi. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, well, uh, we both came from Wisconsin, moved out to the desert, kind of live in the city. You know, we both had regular jobs. And then, you know, for health reasons, we decided to uh, just get out of the country, move off grid. Um, and we were looking to live uh, more sustainably. And uh, then we got started with our YouTube channel. And we've been, you know, experimenting with natural building, off-grid living, and homesteading, and living self-sufficiently. Yeah, the idea is and just to... Uh... Give us timing on that. When did you start this adventure? How long ago? Well, we moved out to the land uh, almost uh, three years ago now. Uh, so uh, since that time, we've uh, we've been kept busy. Uh, we've got our uh, solar set up. We're 100% uh, off of us living on solar energy. Uh, we have water harvesting set up. So all of our water is 100% rainwater. Uh, what else have we done? We set up a little garden station just to uh, get uh, get their feet well with uh, gardening. Uh, we've really gotten to build a giant partially buried cistern made out of earth bags and ferro cement. Yeah, and now we are starting to build our home. Yep. Cool. Um, and on the uh, you know, the, did you, wh where were you at in a city somewhere? Um, and, and where are you now? Give us a little more just generally physically about, it. I know you're in Southern Arizona, but let's say how far from Phoenix and what direction, how far from Tucson and what direction? Okay. So we, we were living in central Arizona, um, about an hour south of Phoenix. And it was kind of a smaller town smaller town but uh kind of had a like a suburb feel so we lived oh, in yep. in a conventional house we had a small yard there um and we we lived there for about 10 years almost a decade yeah and then we moved out here we so sold everything at an rv and we moved to southeastern arizona and uh, so from where we were is about three hours south of where we were. So about four hours south of Phoenix, pretty close to the Mexican border. Yeah, about 20 miles north of Mexico. And how much land do you have where you're at? We have uh, 40 acres out here. And your nearest neighbor, how far away? <laughs> I say uh we i'd say uh, we get asked that question quite a bit i think i'd say we'd um 
that's about a half a mile at least. Yeah, I mean, we can see our neighbors. We can see them. They're not too close. But it's and just a, it's just a tell, lot. Tell oh. us about typical climate, because we've got viewers here that'll be watching live and that will watch the replay from all over the world. So just kind of give us the, the typical annual climate situation. Mm -hmm. So when people think of Arizona, they usually think hot desert, and um, it can get hot here in the summer, you know, over 100 degrees. Uh, it's dry for most of the year. Uh, we do have a monsoon season in the summer, and we usually get a little rain in the winter as well. Um, and winters can get below freezing here, uh, probably as low as 10 degrees Fahrenheit in the winter, um, and that, that's a little colder than in central Arizona, uh, but the elevation here is higher. Yeah, we're at about uh, over 4,000 feet. Yeah, about 4,200. 4,200 feet elevation, and our annual average rainfall here is 13 inches. And uh, like uh, a lot of, especially central Arizona is desert we kind of start to move from a desert into a grassland. So kind of like a desert grassland. And, and that rainfall, does it come in bursts? So you'll get some fairly large storms or is it spread out pretty good? Yes, especially in the summer, we'll sometimes get torrential downpours, you know, all the rain comes down in a day or so. So, um, and then, most of the rest of the year will be really dry. So it's a little bit challenging when planning out, you know, rainwater harvesting. You got to plan to catch as much of that water as you can during those times and then store it for a long period of time. Yeah, it comes down pretty, uh, pretty hard and heavy, I'd say. And we'll talk more about your rainwater harvesting in a little bit, but um, somebody has already asked, do you know what hardiness zone you're in for plant growth? Yeah, um, yeah. so it's USDA zone 8A. Okay, makes sense. So I live at 5,600 feet, and I'm in the rain shadow of the Rockies, and I get about 13 inches of annual rainfall. The difference is probably half of that as snow in the winter and, and and our ground freezes not not yet we're not quite yet frozen but everybody thinks of our area as being mountain and we are mountainous i have 700 feet elevation change from one piece of my property to another because i'm in a valley and a canyon um and my guess is are you fairly flat i mean we're looking at pictures and you have mountains in the distance there obviously from the picture we're looking at on your facebook page but what's your what's your uh, top topography yeah our topography on our property is is fairly flat just very gentle slopes but i mean properties around here vary greatly you know depending on just where you are but yeah ours we don't have any really steep slopes here nope. And uh, it's kind of nice because, like, so a slight hill to the north and a slight hill to the south. So all the water kind of moves in closer to the center of the land. So uh, definitely 
uh, fantastic to plan for as far as earthworks for rainwater harvesting. And let, so let's stay on that. And, and we're seeing some pictures. Is most of your rainwater harvesting from the ground? Because it sounds like you haven't built a home yet, so you're not getting a lot of stuff off of rooftops, right? So you're harvesting most of your water from from the land and by the way that you're able to get the water to move during a rain event, correct? Not yet. We actually built a large roof on our property. Uh, okay. That was one of the first. Was one of the first projects we built, and that was kind of we had more people out here back then, and we built a sort of a shade structure that people could get under, get out of the sun, but also that we could collect rainwater from. So it is fourteen hundred square feet, uh, twenty feet long and. Um, 20 feet, wide. 20 feet wide and 110 feet long. Okay. And and do you believe, does your gut tell you that, that you'll have to supplement that over time? Or are you thinking you're going to have enough water from the... No, uh, our plan is to continue building on this and harvest rainwater off of as many structures as we can. We're still going to keep continuing to build cisterns and keep building out uh, as much water as we can hold. So what we have now is probably good for household use, but, you know, for growing things, we'll be, you know, adding more to that and using earthworks, too, to, mm -hmm. to hold and collect that water. And is there a earthwork development person that you follow? that you really like to gain knowledge from that you can tell our audience so they can maybe think about the same kind of a person. Well, our big uh, rainwater harvesting uh, guru has got to be Brad Lancaster. Uh, he I lives was up wondering in... if he would say Brad. <laughs> he lives up in Tucson and we, uh, we got his books and uh, we visited the area where they've uh, worked. So he's a big inspiration. Has he come to your place yet? No, oh, no, we haven't met him in person. I wish, yeah. <laughs> but uh, he's welcome to come down here anytime he wants. <laughs> I, I I know him pretty well, and I I might uh, try to incent him, get him getting excited to come down. So you mentioned you had more people living at your place. So give us a a picture of how many people are usually there. Um, is it is it a, a, more than yourselves or is it yourselves mainly and then other times you have guests? Well, uh, it started out just the two of us, mm -hmm. but then when we started telling our family about our plans, uh, they kind of had uh, issues in their lives where they were kind of upended and they weren't sure what they were doing. Yeah, and I think like us, they were looking for kind of a fresh start. So we had some family members come down and they were living on our property too. Um, right, and, when, right when we moved down, mm -hmm. uh, I think uh, I think they weren't ready kind of yet for the lifestyle. The off-grid life. Of living yeah. off-grid. Um, it's not easy, you know, once when, when you're out there just on raw land and you, you're working to get everything set up, all your life support systems. And you're working on a limited budget of you know, energy and water and stuff like that. And some people... Are kind of uneasy with that. So what we're looking at here 
Is that your cistern? This right here is, um, that's our bedroom, right? Yep. So we have uh, uh, no, no, two no. underground. In the, in the screen, can you see the screen sharing of that Mark's doing? He's showing, um, it looks like a, a sandbag structure dug down into the ground, probably 20 feet wide, maybe it's in the circular. Is, is that your, is that the, the surround of your rainwater you know, storage area? Now that particular uh, structure it will be our bedroom. So this is part oh. of our house. Oh, okay. So you meant that will be your bedroom. Got it. So uh, we have two underground portions for our house and then we'll be building two domes above each of those underground portions. All out of Good. earth bag. I got it. Awesome. Yeah. And did you, did you make the earth bags or did you buy them? already filled yes uh, our, yeah these uh these we purchased they are uh, misprinted uh grain bags that we were able to uh purchase for, for a cheaper price of uh, about uh, 20 to 25 cents per bag uh locally was that something you found local or did you have them deli they, were they ordered uh, unfortunately it was out of state so uh i mean I definitely check around if people are interested in this, see if they can find something local. This is what we found from a neighbor of ours. They also got earth bags from uh, bags from there, but um, a really good price. We did have to ship it out, but uh, I mean, for us getting misprinted bags like this, that probably, you know, they wouldn't be able to get used into production. So we were able to buy them up, repurpose them for building. I think that it's a good way to go. Are you essentially going to surface that, that bedroom area with um, something like Adobe um, so that the, that's what your walls will, will be when you get it finished? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, an earthen plaster. Right. Um, how about your solar? Tell, it, tell us about your, your power system. Just as much or a little detail as you want to give. <laughs> yeah, so we have... Um... 15 320 watt panels they're wired up in series um we have uh goes to a charge controller we have uh that hooked up to two uh two 3000 watt inverters and we also have four tesla model s batteries lithium ion that gives us uh 20 kilowatt hours worth of storage and the uh, the two inverters gives us about approximately um, seven thousand running watts that we can utilize at a time, and I think up to uh, fourteen thousand, thirteen, fourteen thousand burst watts. So give people an example of what you could continuously be running or are running in terms of appliances that people would relate to. Yeah, so um, like our, our biggest draw continuously is our RV refrigerator, which um, it is not energy efficient. It's not energy efficient because it uses uh, like you can switch between electricity and propane, but it pretty much uses like 400 watts continuously. But in the wow. summer, you know, we were running air conditioning, 
on solar. So in the summer, we can run the refrigerator, air conditioning, um, and that probably uses up close to 2,000 watts <laughs> uh, continuously if we have both the refrigerator and the air conditioner going. But we can run <clears throat> up to, I'd say, about 3,000 watts um, as while we, have, while we have daylight. But then uh, in the evenings, we usually shut the air down. And it gets, in the summer, it gets, the nights are just fantastic out here. So we really don't need the air conditioning at night anyway. I grew up in the high desert north of Los Angeles. It's called the Antelope Valley. Lower elevation than you, 2,500. And we had, you know, I don't know how many, but 100, 100 day day, 100 degree day. But it was always yeah. in the 60s at night. I mean, it would cool. So yeah. we didn't have an air conditioner. We had a, we had a, uh, a 1,500 square foot house. We had a swamp cooler. And, you know, it's only just using a little bit of electricity to move. To, to move air and then water going over it. Um, so, um, you know, that was it. That was our air conditioning. Um, what, um, how much do those Tesla batteries cost compared to, let's say, a, 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 the block that more um, urban people are thinking of that Tesla has? And so uh, what's the comparison there? Well, uh, I'm not 100% sure on the prices of, let's say, like your Tesla Powerwall, but I know, like, right. if you buy lithium batteries specifically made for um, solar, like off-grid solar use, uh, they're incredibly expensive. I think um, some of those batteries could probably cost about as much as our entire solar system cost <laughs> so each of the uh each tesla model s battery i think was twelve hundred dollars uh which is which is more expensive yeah it's more expensive than let's say your nickel cadmium but for lithium ion it's a really good price and you don't have to the nice thing about the lithium ion is that you don't have to worry about it once it's no set up no maintenance there are several other companies, and I don't know why, but my brain's going dead on them right now as to which, what their names are. But did you, can you tell us about any competitors that you looked at that you thought about uh, potentially other than the, than the Tesla? Because I, I just can't think of a name now, but there's one that I know that people that are lithium ion. Um, um, well, I know people, uh, I think, you know, if you can get, if you can look at like used car batteries, I think I've seen people use like batteries from like the Chevy Leaf. Um, but any of those electric car batteries, if you can get a hold of them, I think they can be wired up to uh, to work with solar. What's been the biggest surprise to you, either positively or negatively, about your solar system? Uh, I would say, like, for our needs, we have more than enough energy use. Uh, when we did have more people out here, it was, it was a little bit of a struggle, uh, especially because everyone kind of has to be on the same page about the power use. Um, especially then when you get to the later 
evening hours when the sun starts going down and you have to think about that you, you have know? to think about that you and have to be a little bit more frugal. <laughs> or if it you get a bunch of cloudy days in a row you have to be conscious of your energy use yeah when it's a bright and sunny day we could pretty much uh, have everything going uh during the day it's not an issue but when those cloudy days start stringing along in a sequence then you gotta, you gotta be where and decide on which uh, devices you really need yeah, at what time. Yeah, it's something you have to get used to, you know, being on solar. How do you uh, how do you heat your water for showers and cleaning dishes and doing that sort of thing? It's uh, electric. We got an electric water heater. Yeah, uh, right in the RV. So that is that also takes up about fifteen hundred watts. So when especially in the summer, like if we were gonna use the hot water, we would turn the air off so that way it's not drawing too much energy at once because actually the RV itself can only handle pulling in about 3000 watts. It's only uh, wired up for uh, for a um, 30 amp service. <laughs> so actually one of the limitations is the, uh, the RV yeah. itself. Um, Long-term as you build your house, have you thought about um, solar hot water, where essentially you're moving water through black pipes, or there's lots of different designs for it, but or have you thought about your water heating and, and not necessarily using your, your PV panel? Because I, I think that could be more efficient. I, I have a system that is a, built in 1979, still use it today, which provides all of mine. Now, I, I get 310 days of sunshine a day. We get more days of sunshine uh, than, than Phoenix does. The, the negative is we're farther north, so the sun is, is farther to the, you know, to the south in the, in the sky. We don't get as long of a day, typically in the winter. But have you thought about an alternative for your water heating long term? Yeah. Um, I mean, we will probably, when I... When we first set things up, I will probably have um, an electric water heater with a small um, tank. But I th do think we want to set up systems that are a little bit more off-grid, that are a little less energy dependent. So I think we'll probably experiment with some stuff like that and just reduce our sort of need for electricity as much as we can. Yes. But I think our, our house is going to be incredibly energy efficient. And once we get out of this RV. Oh, I, it will be when it's being underground. <laughs> I mean, I know you've, you realize that six feet down anywhere in the U.S., anywhere in the world, air temperature is 60 degrees. So the ground, excuse me, the ground is 60 degrees. So, you know, you don't have to do much to, to, to heat or cool when the natural temperature around you is that. Um, um, everybody out in the audience, don't be shy. Put some questions in there, please. Put some questions that so that I'm not asking all the questions. Um, I want you to tell us about this green setting summit that you had because I went through the list of your speakers and they, it was amazing. Um, and I know some of those folks and I don't know most of them. Tell us how that went and how you put that all together. Um, well, you know, it was... Uh... It was kind of nice because we made a lot of contacts just because we're on YouTube. So it wasn't hard for a lot of uh, smaller channels to get on board and tell their stories. 
but uh, it was great really getting into contact with uh, some people we didn't know, like uh, Joel Salatin. Um, he was a, a really great speaker. It was uh, very easy to get a hold of, of and uh, he responded right away to our email. He was uh, ready to get on board. Uh, we were excited to have Matt Powers aboard, and he had a really great uh, piece on us, uh, soil science. Mm -hmm. It was a great experience just hearing people's perspectives from you know all across the country and uh, different countries as well, and um, you know their their take on living sustainably and what they do with homesteading. Um, yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah, uh, it was our first time putting something like that together. So I think we learned a lot. I think uh, like if one of the things we could have done differently was give it a little bit more time, I think we mm -hmm. kind of rushed things. So we didn't get everyone on board that we wanted to. And it was a lot of work. It was like crunch time, right? <laughs> right up until the end, putting out some of that content. <laughs> but it was a lot of fun. Any of it live? I think a lot. Recorded everything. Uh, we did an intro, our intro and our outro yeah, live stream. A couple of them. Most were pre-recorded. Yeah, we either did uh, interviews online with people or we uh, had people send in submissions of, you know, they would film a, a piece that they wanted to tell and they would send that to us. Well, if you decide to do something like it again, please let's collaborate because I know I can introduce to you, you to some people that you'd love to have and I'm sure you can with some of these folks that you've had. Joel's a good friend of mine. I've been on a number of different panels speaking with him. Um, his son-in-law, um, Jordan Green, is a huge um, contributor to us. And I actually go to his place. To, he lives just south of, uh, in Virginia, of where Joel's at. And he married Joel's daughter. So that's where that relationship is at. And, um, and then Matt Powers has been a huge friend of ours. Um, I hope that you were able to get some affiliate income from maybe something that Matt might have been pitching at the time because he's almost always doing that. And if not, shame on Matt for not allowing you to get a little bit of income for something like that. But, uh, and, and again, Matt's a wonderful guy, amazing guy. He gives a lot and cares. So uh, it's interesting, the two people that you mentioned first are two that I would say on your list are the two best friends of ours that we have, but um, a number of other folks that, that are cool too. Um, you do have another question here, which we haven't gotten to this. It's a good little segue. Now you're getting ready to do some agriculture, right? Moving forward, you're going to do some, some farming, some growing. And, and Oliver asks, have you done soil testing or do you have a plan to amend your soil? So those are kind of related questions. Have you done anything about that yet, with that yet? We did do a soil test a while back. Um, I don't think I, I don't think I was super crazy about the results. I, uh, I mean, what I, what we learned is I think the soil is is pretty fertile. Yeah. It has quite a bit of uh, quite a bit of the nutrients. A lot of nitrogen. A lot of nitrogen. Um, so I think our biggest um uh, our biggest plan going forward is get 
uh, plenty of uh, organic matter out in the soil and make sure we have plenty of water. I think those are going to be uh, the two big ingredients going forward. I mean, we're very clay heavy. I'd say um, just as far as soil content, you know, it's, we've got about 30% clay, 70% sand. So we really need to amend and get that organic matter in there because it's very hard and compact. Um, Elaine Ingham, by the way, is somebody that we can definitely make introductions to you. And I'm sure at least Matt maybe would have talked a little bit about Elaine, but um, and she has some amazing ways that you can probably work on your, with your soil and to, to improve its, its soil qualities, make it really uh, amenable for plant growth. Tell us about the land historically. Was it a green field, as they would say, or where it has historically, for as long as you know, been just having natural wildlife and plants growing on it? Or was it previously a farming kind of a, a use? Well, the thing about this area, uh, um, well, way back when European settlers came into this area and they started moving west, uh, there was a lot of cattle ranching. And so a lot of this area got overgrazed with cattle. There were, there was just so many cattle um, and it really degraded the land. So with it being an arid area, um it i don't think it ever really fully recovered so there was a lot of vegetation loss because of that uh, so that's something that that we see a lot of just bare soil out here uh, even though it is kind of a, a desert grassland so it is kind of fragile so that that's kind of the history like this cattle ranching and there's still some of that going on here now, uh, not to the same degree as in the past, but, and I think, um, you know, there was mining towns out west. So there was the mining, there was some logging going on, uh, a lot of land degradation. Yeah, I think, uh, we, yeah, we could still definitely see um, just hints of some of that, all that damage that's been done. You know, a lot, very lots of thorny bushes around here. You could definitely see like the land is, you know, was trying to protect itself from from all the overgrazing. By the way, Bob and Karen are on here, and they're the ones who actually introduced us to you. And Karen, and they asked a question, how do you plan to heat and cool the domes for winter and summer? Hi, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Um, cooling, I'm not as much worried about. I think if we can get uh, just maybe a couple fans, I think, I don't think we'll have to be worried about that so much in the summer. I think heating is gonna be the biggest challenge. I think uh, those domes will probably get pretty cold in the winter. So I think we would like to build some rocket mass heaters um, in the above ground portions of the domes. And I think that'll do really well, be really efficient as far as using stick fuel to uh to heat up the domes and then I'll probably turn it into like a partially like a bench yeah and um if we do need cooling uh we'll have some ventilation set up probably um at the top of the dome for the hot air to escape and 
possibly a wind scoop. So bringing cool air in and then, you know, we can put a fountain or some, some kind of water feature there right. where the air can uh, be cooled as it comes into the house. What, um, by the way, Bob and Karen are so cool and we enjoy them. And um, how far are they from you physically, location-wise? Uh, that's about a half hour trip. Yeah, that's what they, they said. So it, do you guys shop in the same place? Don't they, I think they told us where they shop. Where, where would you do your, your most of your shopping? Uh, we'd probably do most of our shopping probably about a half hour south of us in the city of Douglas. That's what I thought they said. I was about to say Douglas, but I didn't want to say it wrong. So I thought it was <laughs> Douglas where they go. Um, are, are you fenced? Is your property fenced? And was, did that come when you bought it? Or did you have to fence it yourself if you are fenced? About half of it was fenced. So we had to finish it off and put in a gate. And how far off of a paved road are you? A paved road, oh. How many miles is that? Would you say 10 miles maybe? Maybe about six. Okay. six? Do they about maintain six. the non, do they maintain the roads or is that a community effort? Or do you have to do a lot of maintenance yourself? No, uh, so there is a longer, um, the road uh, immediately adjacent to our property is, it's a private road that's kind of community maintained, I guess. And yeah. and then there's a, a larger dirt road that I think the county The county maintains, maintains. That It's a county maintained road. So luckily the longer stretch of dirt road is maintained by the county. And uh, we just got that smaller road right out in front of our property. So it's, it's decent access. Yeah, both roads are really good. And how'd you find your place? How many other places did you look at or even make offers on before you got here? Oh, we uh, were looking for a while. Yeah, you had a, a you did a bunch of research. You had a list compiled yeah. of properties all around Cochise. Real and, estate listings and like tax lien properties and things like that. And so uh, we went out. We and took a road trip. Yeah. Uh, probably at least a good couple of days came down here and drove all around Cochise looking at all the different properties. I think we went from one end of the county to the other. Uh, and I think it was good because it was during monsoon season. Uh, yeah. So, and it was right after rain. So we got to see some of the properties that were completely like not accessible because it was flooded out. <laughs> and they you know, sometimes you can't get to these properties because there's like it says there's a road but there's no road or it goes right through somebody else's property um so it's it's really good to see it in person and check things out thoroughly yeah and then when we came across this one it, i mean it was just we just absolutely fell in love with it because i mean the access was great not too far from a town but yet uh still enough to give us some privacy mm -hmm. and we couldn't beat the price So um, have you created much of a sense of community with, with any of your neighbors? And I don't mean adjacent neighbors, even people like Bob and Karen and so on. Um, or has it been difficult? Because 
some take some places people look at people like you as kind of kooks. In <laughs> um, other places, you would be embraced. Um, so, are you in between, or where are you guys at in that in that hierarchy? Yeah, I feel like even before we moved out here, we kind of started building connections with some people, and I think because this county um, has an owner builder opt out uh, permit for building, it kind of encourages people to do some kind of alternative building and and this kind of lifestyle so yeah we've actually met quite a few people doing similar things yeah i would say our like we don't really talk as much to our closer adjacent neighbors but there is a growing community of people looking to live off grid looking to live uh, more uh, self-sustainable lives so there yeah there, there is a lot of people that we communicate with regularly and YouTube is has been absolutely great for connecting us to other like-minded people. So what would you say is the best advice you could give someone that's looking to do what you guys have done? Leave, I would leave say the comfort of suburbia and move off grid. I would say uh, do your research. <laughs> and um and learn learn as much as you can um it is it's it's not the easiest i'd say definitely prepare yourself like mentally and physically for the tag um and you know start saving because uh, a lot of these projects especially if you're building from the ground up uh definitely takes some money Definitely takes a lot of work. Everything costs more and takes longer <laughs> than you would initially expect. So, you know, plan for that. But I would say, you know, even if you are living in the city, you know, just get started where you are. There's a lot that you can do right where you are right now. Exactly. Get in that mindset of that kind of lifestyle ahead of time. Whether it's like growing things or just being more self-sufficient, you know, Instead of taking your vehicle to a garage for maintenance, what kind of maintenance can you do on your car by yourself? Or what can you do around the house by yourself and make those like repairs and start taking control of that? And how are you supporting yourselves from an income side? That's a good question. Uh, when we first moved out here, uh, Jess was uh, you had uh, you were working online. You were able to work online with medical transcriptioning, but you decided to kind of stop that so we could kind of focus on the projects out here. So we really started to kind of focus on sort of using social media as a method of kind of building an online entrepreneurship. Yeah, so we went full time with the uh, YouTube and social media and trying to find other online uh, sources of income. So we're, so we're making uh, money uh, through YouTube from AdSense. Uh, we also design our own t-shirts that we sell on there. And you know we just kind of keep on building our brand from there. You use, do you use something like Custom Cat for your t-shirts so you don't have to build up inventory and you can... Um, take advantage of the fact that you're not a big store. <laughs> so. 
Yeah, we use Teespring, so yeah. Yeah, Teespring is great because you do, they, they can order it right from there. They print it out as people order it, and we can connect it to our YouTube, so they can have, people that watch our channel can actually see the shop right underneath the video. So that's really nice. And about how many YouTube videos? Mark's showing them on the screen right now, just kind of showing little bits and pieces of some of, of, some of them. How many do you try to get done on a monthly basis, let's say? Oh man. Uh, uh, well, we've been we've been keeping a regular schedule for a while now. We put out two videos a week, and then we usually do like a, a live stream once a week where we can chat with people live and answer their questions. So right now, yeah, it's about like three three pieces of content that we're doing a week. But for a while, I think we were putting out something every day. Yeah. <laughs> but we decided to focus more on improving the quality of our content, improve the storytelling. And when we when we did that, when we kind of shifted the focus to uh, quality and storytelling, that's when we noticed really big improvements as far as the channel goes and a lot more engagement and people seem to uh, have a lot more fun with it. What's the, um, what's the most views you've got on any one of your videos? <laughs> Uh, there is one we did not too long, long ago. I think it's it's getting super close to 300,000 views. I think it's like 292, 293,000 views. And that shows you how, because Mark, where he's scrolling here, these are the ones that you did two to three years ago. And, you know, they're mostly in the, the 10K. Here's one with 41K. But as you start getting more recent, there's a 41K four months ago, you know, um, 11K. So the ones you're doing now, you're getting a lot more engagement, which is really cool. Applause to you for that. So that's awesome. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's um, with YouTube, it's, it's, uh, you, it's a, it was a really big learning curve for us. I mean, we went into it not knowing anything about uh, how to do it. So, you know, it's it's all about, improving the quality of the content and, thumbnails titles and yeah, it's I'm a finding lot. out how just how to tell your story yeah in a way that people can relate to i guess well and you also have the ability to you have both have beautiful smiles you have the ability to look <laughs> a little goofy at times um you know jim so, yeah, which is good <laughs> people like that and uh so I'm sure that that helps too. So um, I think it's about having fun and not taking yourself too seriously. Yeah, yeah, and I'm sure if we wa if I watch some more of these, which I'm going to, you don't mind making mistakes, you know, and, and make some yeah. fun out of uh, out of that. So yeah, the thing is, you know, going into this lifestyle, I mean, we didn't have any skills going into it we're not so experts in anything so so we're we're absolutely learning as we're going yeah. along and if we make those mistakes we're gonna we're gonna show people because we really think, we really think there's value in that not just showing the successes but showing the missteps and the failures and and just getting things dialed in and just for our own sanity too i think <laughs> like we're not trying to you know make everything look perfect um a great couple of questions about your videos. Do you have any 
suggestions on the kind of video and audio equipment that you use and, and whether you like what you've got. And I'm assuming you, you don't have you don't have really expensive stuff. So tell us about what you do, what you use for your audio video side. Uh, we did invest in a decent quality vlogging camera. We use a, uh, a Canon T6i, uh, which is which has been a really great vlogging camera. We just used uh, the basic lens that it came with, and we attach a shotgun mic to it, a Rode shotgun mic, and that is kind of the extent of our audio visual. We did. Uh, I take advantage of uh, some like credit card mileage. So I was able to like get a bunch of Amazon gift cards and I use that to purchase a drone. Uh, I wanted to get a decent quality drone for use not only with our videos, but also for uh, making detailed land records. So it's kind of like a double-edged tool with the drone. Yeah, that's kind of nice just seeing how the, the land changes as we develop it. So that's, uh, is that the extent of our video audio equipment? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty basic stuff. How, how about on the editing side? You must, is that software you have that's, that's again, you, that you could tell people what you use? Yeah, so uh, for editing, we use uh, Adobe Premiere, uh, okay. Photoshop, and the, uh, and the, uh, and for editing, photos and videos. Yeah, that's been excellent. Uh, it's a little bit pricier, but we were able to get a discount because of our nonprofit status. So let's talk about that for a second. Tell us about your nonprofit and uh, how can people support you? Yeah, uh, we decided to make Green Dream Project a, a nonprofit organization because because we wanted to kind of give it that it was kind of a started off as like an educational bend. Yeah, this and is way before YouTube. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely <laughs> before YouTube. And uh, so we wanted to teach people about uh, permaculture and sustainable living. For some reason, we lost your audio there. I don't know whether that's just temporary. Well, I can hear them. Mark, are you... Oh. Can you hear me? You can hear us okay? Yeah. 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 Now we can. We lost you for just a second. You were you were talking about um, how um, you know before YouTube even you you were thinking about the nonprofit side. Go go back and just sort of repeat a little bit about the nonprofit side for us. Yeah, because. Uh... We came up. We came up with the idea of Green Dream Project as sort of like uh, an educational event where we could offer uh, free information on permaculture and sustainable living. Um, so we decided to make it a nonprofit uh, for you know the, the tax advantages and um, and uh, being able to share our journey, you know, and and hopefully. Um, helping people <laughs> learn through that. Yeah. Um, Oliver asked again, another great question. How do you make your thumbnails? Anything unique you do to 
get your thumbnail? Yes. Uh, <laughs> thumbnails are. And, and folks, this is not, we're not talking about these nails because I'm sure they, you know, we're talking about thumbnails for videos. So. <laughs> we actually take a lot of time with our, our video thumbnails. Thumbnails are uh, absolutely incredibly important, especially when it comes to, to YouTube. Uh, they have to sort of hint at the story that each video tells and and they have to be engaging enough for people to want to click on it. So we think of like what that video is about and then we try and figure out how to tell that story in an image. So we usually take them specifically for each video. We kind of have a template that we've been using uh, where she's a little closer to the front, I'm a little uh, further toward the back and then you know we're either showcasing the, our current build or whatnot but it's all about telling the story in a quick snapshot yeah and then just editing the the photo so that you know the colors on and bumping up the color sometimes we'll throw an outline around us to make the figure stand out because uh you know the uh, people draw interest in a thumbnail so you want the people to stand out mm -hmm. So let me give an example. We're looking at your homepage of your of your um, web page, and in that picture, I think you have photoshopped a little bit yourself, the two of you, from the land that's behind you. You you've drawn out colors a little bit more, right, on, you know, on that page. Yes. Yeah. Yes. The colors <laughs> bumped up there. How close are those mountains in the background from you that we that we see? Uh, I'd say about fifteen miles. Fifteen miles away. It's it's a very quick drive, and uh, it's a great. Sometimes we like to go hiking up in those mountains. Yeah, it's a there's a natural preserve there with uh, some hiking trails, so it's a really nice area. So, what do you guys do for fun? Because my guess is you are workaholics. You work a lot. So That's if a pretty it's not to be creating YouTube videos, it's not building on your place. You just mentioned hiking. What other things do you enjoy? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, for the most part, yeah, we are. We're, we're right now. We're just constantly focused on this house. But I guess uh, hiking is is probably the one thing that we probably try and do kind of on a semi-regular basis yeah well because we we have a large dog and <laughs> you know we have to get him out and and get him exercise too and he enjoys the hikes too and we we enjoy getting out in in nature and just you know it's re relaxing for for the mind and it's, it's nice <laughs> um but i guess like uh I guess a lot of, when I'm doing a lot of work out on the property, if I'm like uh, moving dirt or something like that, I love listening to audio books. I'll have that going. That's the way I can get my reading in while uh, <laughs> i getting the work done. Come on, you got to listen to some audio books that are just fun. Like, I will be honest and say I, I love Harry Bosch. I listen to, to those, the calmly, different comedy novels. So what what is it you listen to for fun instead of listening to the audio books to learn from? Oh man, uh, 
you like uh yeah I, science fiction and i love a lot of know. science fiction uh okay. stephen king I'm a big stephen king fan <laughs> okay there we go stephen king yeah so we got about four minutes left here everybody um we like to be very uh, conscious of our of our guest time and and we will go over if they ask about you guys just ask a bunch of questions and we keep going I only have one more question that I'm going to ask. And I, I, I follow John Lee Dumas a little bit, who's the podcaster who does Par Podcasters Paradise. And he has literally done one, one podcast a day for, I think, 10,000 days straight now, something like that. But um, he says he has this one question that he asks entrepreneurs, and he calls it a doozy. So I'm going to say I'm going to ask you the doozy question in a second. But while I'm doing that, why don't you guys out in the audience put some questions in if you've got some things in for this last couple of minutes. So here's the doozy question. I usually ask it more broadly about your life in general, but I'm going to now make it just for your time here um, on your project. What's the one thing that, that has happened on the project that when it happened, it was really negative? It was really bad. And now you look back on it and you say, you know what? We really learned from that. It actually didn't turn out to make things be as bad as we thought it was. So you can kind of look at each other or if one of you's got one that comes up and the other one doesn't, go ahead and throw that one in. I'm thinking of one. What's, <laughs> what's yours? Uh, the roof. Yeah, that's not what I was going <laughs> to think of too. The roof on the Hacienda, right? Yeah. So the first uh, structure we built out here uh, was for our compost. Uh, we do humanure composting. So we have a humanure hacienda. And uh, we kind of built it kind of quick, I guess. We built it quick. Uh, um, again, it was one of our first projects. So I, I didn't really know what 100% what I was doing. A lot of it was reclaimed materials. So it wasn't even the best materials to begin with. Um, and the, the roof actually came off like not once but twice. Uh, once the first time it was just it was just the metal, but the second time the whole roof completely lifted off. The whole frame lifted off the post, and it was just absolutely devastating. But uh, it's really taught me to sort of take my time, do things right, make sure the materials are there, make sure uh, everything's built up to snuff. And just take the time and do it right the first time. Yeah, that's a great lesson. And I could give you one almost like that. I'm guessing it's the wind that took the took the roof off, right? Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. Strong wind. Well, I, I'm just. I'll give you a five second or ten seconds of mine. I, we had a 130 mile an hour wind come through and took the roofs off of. 10 structures that we had built for animal shelters. One of them uh, hit me, basically scalped me. And very lucky that I wasn't killed by it. Um, yeah. It was only because I had three other people there with me that I'm not dead today. But I learned exactly the same thing you did. We now have, we didn't quit with those. We thought the structures were the right thing. We had just not built them to the best. We now have 47 of those structures, and we've never lost another roof, and not even close. We've never it, – it, that one incident caused us to really say, you know what, we need to do these things right, and we need to make sure they'll withstand, you know, 200-mile-an-hour yeah. wind. 
Exactly. That's a tough, well, a tough one. One other to question learn, from the audience. One other question from the audience. We'll end on this one, uh, unless and let, then I'm going to end actually with you guys just giving anything you would like to give for your for the just the last statement for our audience. Um, anything you want. But here's the question: um, What about your future plans for Earthworks? Just a thumbnail sketch, not like a thumbnail on a video. This case, but. Just a little sketch of what your future is going to be for your earthworks. Yeah, um, so we want to kind of start setting into uh, start installing some swales, going up, kind of a little south from where we are, kind of close to where the hacienda is. We're going to start planning on having on any of our overflows from our rainwater harvesting to start to go into some of these swales and they'll be built on contour and so that any of the water that does come and cascades down will be able to kind of collect that into those and kind of start up a little food forest kind of right in the south start planting some trees we definitely want to get some more trees going and then uh, we might try different types of earthworks kind of right in that area mm -hmm. kind of going from the more northern end of the property where the uh, watershed starts and kind of moving back down. Yeah, and also utilizing some of the runoff from the road. Oh, yes, that's some, a huge one. Sometimes a lot of water comes through there. We have two roads that uh, surround our property, so we kind of want to utilize the road runoff as a, as a method as well. Good. So, like I said, why don't you end it for us by just giving us your thoughts um, of what you'd like our audience to take away? Yeah, uh, for me, if people are kind of interested in this type of lifestyle, uh, living more sustainably, living off grid, you know, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to kind of step into that. Uh, take those chances. Start, start a little bit by where you're at start to uh start to learn start to develop those skills start to uh, do some research and um and take those chances and uh, move just little by little into uh into that type of lifestyle and if you're interested in in sustainable living um i would say a lot of it is is mindset uh for me it's about compassionate connections so with other people, with uh, the earth and living creatures. So finding your place in nature. And I mean, don't, you don't have to worry about doing everything perfectly, like have zero <laughs> footprint or, or whatever, but, you know, do what you can with what you have at the time. And it's a very rewarding experience. At least it has been for us. Absolutely. Well, guys, you have been awesome. This has been a lot of fun. I hope you've enjoyed it a little bit. Um, and we will definitely be getting this out through replays to lots of people. We usually will get over a thousand views of our replays within the first couple of weeks. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll make sure. And by the way, I don't know if everybody knows it, but they co-own this video with us, so we'll be making it available to them and they can use it for whatever purpose once we've edited it, the market's that done. Plus, 
We love to give our speakers a gift, and we're going to make you what we call elite members of our community. And that means you're going to get access for the rest of your lives or as long as we're, well, beyond when we're around, because it won't go away, <laughs> but to literally thousands of hours of education material that, that you can use and, and hopefully help you in different things that you're doing. And honestly, I'm just going to ask for one little favor. Think about a year from now or such coming back and speaking with us again, or even Think about teaching a course at some point on some topic, meaning do four or five weeks in a row um, and pick like Earthworks. I'm just making this one up, but maybe Earthworks. Or maybe it's as you get a food forest going out there in the desert, because I know that most people probably are thinking, how are they going to grow food forests out in the desert? Um, <laughs> and, and something like that. So, um, But we'll ask you to think about those things and Gosh, I've enjoyed it. Mark, do you have any final thoughts, any questions that you have? I have several questions. Um, like I saw I saw your YouTube thumbnails and I see the, the white outlines on your pictures. So I was, uh, at first I was thinking that those are superimposed or, or something, but I see that they're Photoshopped. Uh, and um, great work, by the way, I enjoyed it. And, and I had a question like, what challenge would you, like what is the most, um, if you had to name one challenge that you have living off grid, uh, what would that be? That's a good one. <laughs> That's a good question. It is a good one. Um, I don't know. That's that's a tough one because we we did so much preparation coming into this. Um, I really think, at least for me, I don't know, I can't speak for you, but it was a big mental preparation for me. And just, we were preparing for almost a decade mentally before getting into this type of lifestyle. And I think that how might have been the big showers? challenge. How long, and I, this is why I know some women would have a challenge. How long do you take showers? <laughs> Well, for me, for me, is uh, for me, is uh, is in and out. I haven't had any issues with it. I think we get it like five. But minutes this is a Jessica question. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's it's challenging. It is. Well, you break up into different uh, different showers. You got to shower different parts at different times, right? Yes, pretty much. Yeah. So I wash my hair separately. I have long hair. <laughs> Mark, what would you have thought that they would say a challenge would be? I I, I would think um, electricity, like power. Um, how do you power your computers, gadgets, um, or anything that you use? Uh, like I think you mentioned um, washing machine or um, big screen TVs, if you have the, like or sound systems, things like that. <laughs> but Mark's a guitarist. Mark plays in a band. My guess is that your amps probably wouldn't run real well on uh, on the power that they have, Mark. Right. Unless we have generators. <laughs> we actually did have a generator when we first started. Yeah. But um, and we were used we used that for like three months almost continuously. And so we got our solar set up. But um, 
with the with the solar setup i mean it was it's it's a beautiful system and it provides us with probably more energy than we need for the most part and we just live very simply and that was our goal setting out we don't run tvs or anything like that so like at night it's mainly just uh lights you know we'll charge our gadgets and that doesn't take much energy again the refrigerator is probably the biggest draw thank you very so much if you were if you were going to try to do significant amount of food storage you'd need to do it in ways other than using refrigeration or freezing obviously so um, but if, if we had more which, energy efficient Go ahead. I, I over talked you. Oh, I, I think if we had more energy, like an more energy efficient refrigerator, uh, food storage probably wouldn't be a problem. We'd probably be able to have a refrigerator, a freezer, but uh, we'll still be doing canning and uh, probably drying and fermentation and other forms of food preservation too. We have a whole room dedicated for uh, underground food storage. Yep. So, yeah. Well, I think it's a good time. We've gone about 10 minutes over. You guys have been awesome. Mark, you, Mark doesn't usually even come up with questions, so it was cool that he had, had those for you. Um, everybody, please watch their videos. Go on their YouTube channel um, and donate if, if you can. Support them. They are doing amazing stuff, everybody. And, and the teaching that they've done, I've watched probably 10 of their videos Every one of them has excellent teaching. And again, they're not afraid to fail. So they show mistakes that they make. And, and that's, that's going to happen to you when, when you're doing this. So um, I want to make more friendships with them. I'm going to be going down to see Bob next winter when, when hopefully we're out of this COVID. We didn't even talk about the COVID situation. I'm, that's kind of cool. I'm glad that we didn't bring that up. Either. Um, but I'm going to go visit my buddy Bob. And when I do, I'll prep in advance to tell you that I'm coming because I want to be put to work. I want to want to do something to help you build on your plan. <laughs> so uh, I'll come down for a, a day and, and work. So. All right, Mark, why don't you take us out? Yeah. Thanks, Jim and Jessica. Appreciate it. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for having us. Uh, this was a really good time. Hey, everybody. I bet you enjoyed that immensely. That was one of our most amazing presentations here at the EAT community. Please look forward to our next podcast in the very near future, and we look forward to seeing you again on the EAT Community Podcast.